Hello, everybody. This is your friend and neighbor, Sean Harwell, back again with another exciting episode of the Never Heard of It podcast. Joined today for the first time since the last time by my associate and your arch enemy, Craig Moorhead. So you are uh, you're listening to Never Heard of It, whether by mistake or on purpose. And uh, you can, um, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Uh, if you uh, would like to subscribe to the podcast and it just magically appears on your phone, iPad, or Zune, you can subscribe at iTunes or Stitcher. Leave a review or something, or don't. It's your life. It's not mine. So, But thank you for joining us today. We're going to talk about a cool movie. Sean, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, Craig. I um, have not yet... Uh, let anybody convince me that I'm a sea person or like a merman mm-hmm. or a sea monkey. So I think on the scale of things, that's pretty good. Are you even suspicious that you, you might be? you have any just long-held beliefs? that I do like fish. Sure. Shrimp are pretty good. I don't know. You know, I mean, I could be you into could, it if, uh, could be. if that's where we're headed. Sure. If you had a tail and some gills. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it sounds like this Paris climate thing is going away, so I think the sea levels are going oh. you know, to yeah. be knocking on my door here in the mountains um, any We're day now. Be, so yeah. it's just something to get prepared for. <laughs> that's that's for sure. <laughs> so, Sean, what is the movie we're going to talk about today? We're talking today about a movie called Night Tide, um, technically from 1961, although if you were around at the time, you probably didn't see it in the theaters until 1963. But this was suggested by a friend of the show, Tyler Baum, the creator, editor of the Charlotte Omelette, which you should all go mm-hmm. check out immediately. Craig, yes. let me read you a little synopsis here Please from do. the Island of the Bubba. Oh, boy. On leaving a shoreside town, Johnny, Johnny Drake, becomes interested in a young dark-haired woman. They meet, and he learns that she plays a mermaid in the local carnival. After strange occurrences, Johnny begins to believe that she may actually be a real mermaid that habitually kills during the cycle of the full moon. And also, I'd like to point out that if you go to the Night Tides page on IMDb, they actually have an email address for the person that wrote that synopsis. So please spam him oh. and uh, just say hello. There you go. Um, I think he'd appreciate that. Let him know how he did with that synopsis. I think that's a fair enough synopsis. What do you think? Uh, it's certainly one of the better ones from IMDb. Now, Craig, I know for a fact you had never heard of this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it's notable, though, to us. And, and it, it interested both of us, perhaps. A, because of the mermaid factor. B, because it stars Dennis Hopper. Uh, and this had to be one of his first roles. Mm-hmm. Um, he is extremely young. Gosh almighty, like uh, watching him at times, it, it felt like I'm watching uh, you know, a little bit of James Dean, a little bit of young Brando. Um, there's a way he goes about his performance and, and the way he carries himself that I think is of an era and still kind of fascinating to me. I will tip my hat to him. 
the late great Dennis Hopper and say, I don't think he phoned it in on this little movie. Indeed. Um, about a guy walking around trying to figure out what's going on with the girlfriend who pretends to be a mermaid at the carnival. Great. Now, do you have any experience with the mermaid carnival sideshow? No. I've never seen that or heard of it being a thing. Have you? I feel like I have. Oh. And I don't know. Like, I'm watching this movie, and there's, like, one instance where I can think of this little traveling crap show that came to my hometown that may have had a Little Mermaid thing like that. And, like, literally, like, the effect is now, you know, I'm thinking, well, you just get a woman to swim in a tank put a mermaid's tail on her Bob's your uncle right sure in the movie it's not that exactly it's like she's behind a plate of glass she's not in water necessarily but there's water on in the front of the glass and it creates this like shimmery effect so it looks like she's in the in the water she's got a very obviously fake fabricy mermaid tail with some sequins on there charge 25 cents whatever make your money sure so I don't know I, I'm gonna just pretend that that did actually happen because I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it just made me appreciate this. It made me nostalgic for a period that I probably did not experience. <laughs> but um, speaking of The Mermaid, this is played by Linda Lawson, the actress, and she plays a character named Mora. Mm -hmm. uh, the person that sort of is in charge of her sideshow attraction uh, is Captain Samuel Murdoch, played by Gavin Muir. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have a fortune teller named Madame Romanovich, played by Marjorie Eaton. Uh, there's the merry-go-round operator's daughter. Yes, there's a merry-go-round operator and his daughter. Um, Ellen Sands, played by Lon Luana Anders. And Tyler mentioned, which I did not even notice, that one of the reasons that he thought this movie was so interesting was that in the opening credits, uh, there is a person listed as head bongo player, played by an actual bongo player oh. uh, named Chano. Chaino. Yeah, I, I saw the name. I, I honestly just thought it was Chaino. <laughs> Chaino. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, that's kind of that, that is kind of funny. You don't. That's not something you see every day. Mm -hmm. uh, this film was directed by Curtis Harrington. It was written by Curtis Harrington based off of his own short story. And he has a very lengthy career. Uh, a lot of television. There's some Dynasty, uh, Charlie's Angels, and uh, various films as well. So, mm. Craggy Craggy. What did you think of this little movie? Now, uh, we should say that if you go look at this poster, boy, they sell this thing pretty hard as like some sort of horror yes. movie. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it right now and that's like, was she human? Dot, dot, right. dot. Um, or was she a beautiful temptress from the sea intent upon loving, consuming, and killing? And I think the movie that unfolds is not exactly of the such that if you went in and paid your money after looking at that poster thinking, oh, this is going to be a thrill ride a minute, mm -hmm. probably going to be a little disappointed. Yeah. Knowing that, what do you think, Chris? Here's what I think, Sean. Yeah, it's definitely sold as a creature feature. It seems like there's going to be a monstrous thing that's going to happen. I wondered at the end, is that why I remained so interested in it throughout the movie? Like, if I had known going in that no one was really going to turn into a monster, then... But yeah, you know, you watch the trailer for it, and it's heavily suggesting that there's a monster involved and things are going to go 
really bad for uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Drake, private, uh, no, Ensign, I don't know. What's a Navy? Seaman? Seaman Drake? Thank you. Definitely Seaman. Mm-hmm. Seaman. Anyway. Seaman. Oh, man. I already feel like I, I know two emails I'm going to get. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but that being said, though, yeah, you know, it's it's the movie just feels dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. The 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 sets are are ju- they look like they're on a almost like a high school stage, like it's just it. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of attempts to. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There, there's clearly not a lot of money. It says here the budget was twenty five thousand dollars in nineteen sixty one, which probably nineteen sixty one was a lot more than twenty five thousand dollars. You know, in terms sure. of value. Yeah. But but I, I gotta say, I mean, yeah, again, I I was I was definitely entertained all the way through. And it wasn't just because I was watching it ironically. Dennis Hopper definitely has something to do with that. You know, he, he's, he's got that presence. Yeah. But it's also like a very simple story. Super simple. And it, and it just sort of keeps moving enough, I guess. Like, you kind of know what you're in for. You, you get the vibe. It, it does have a feeling like those 60s, like, monster movies. Like it, like it feels like that's where it could go easily. It could just easily go there. And yeah, I, I don't know for whatever reason, I I was pretty much into it the whole time, even once we got into like sort of fake octopus monsters and stuff like that. What about you, Sean? How do you feel? The same. And I, I'll say this: like while it feels like yes, it could go into that that monster realm at any moment and take those turns. I it was pretty well clued on from the go that this is slightly different than that Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think I clocked it at around right at almost five minutes before there's any dialogue and so you have this pretty extended sequence where you know basically Johnny's getting off the ship and checking out the town and walking around and yeah the the sets are not great No, but I will say like this, this movie I think takes place in Venice, California and like Santa Monica area as well at yeah. times it looks nothing I mean it looks like it's a different world, at yeah. least a different country than that I don't know where they shot it, but if it's Venice, California like holy cow, that, that whole area has changed so much, even just all of Los Angeles, so it's kind of interesting to see that, you know, it's like a, yeah. you're just walking around, you have some nice sort of like street photography kind of stuff and it's it's like a yeah it's an America that doesn't exist anymore. You're walking into a very obviously sort of like bohemian jazz bar. There is a lot of flute in that first opening yes. sequence. I mean, there's a lot of flute going it is on. Flute intensive. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, but I kind of liked that vibe. You know, he's sitting, he's smoking. It's just like, oh man, this is like. This is like when America was cool, you know, in a weird way. So it's like infusing that, and then very quickly, like, okay, yeah, there's the girl sitting here watching, and yeah, she looks beautiful, but there's something a little strange about her. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately he makes his way over and is trying to talk to her. And I thought it was kind of cool, like, some of that interaction. Like, I, I remember and I wrote down, like, he asked her what her name is, and, you know, Hopper's doing, like, a pretty naturalistic performance mm-hmm. but she says I am called Mora <laughs> right and like the way she read that it was like wait what like I am called Mora who the hell says their name that way you know um, so it was like it's so weirdly formal and just pitched in a way that was like 
okay, this is kind of fun. You know, it's a little campy, but also uh, interesting. And then their conversation is interrupted by this old woman who just walks up and speaks, I think, Greek um, in some different language and walks off. And then, like, um, you know, I I think she doesn't even acknowledge it, really. Uh, Well, they have some kind of... Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Point being... Yeah, you're kind of thrown right into it that there's clues and, you know, okay, like this is going to be a little interesting here. You know, there's some intrigue. Mm-hmm. Now, what I didn't like about the movie is that, boy, he spends a lot of time walking around and like asking other people about his girlfriend, yeah, Mora. And pretty much all of them are saying, you know, you might think about leaving her. You know, you really, you know... Uh, yeah, by the way, she had two boyfriends uh, recently who were both found dead and drowned. <laughs> There's moments where he seems like he's taking that all in and probably going to be like, oh, shit, like I might be in trouble here. Like this, you know, I thought the natural turn of events is like him saying, look, I don't want to see you anymore. And right. then her kind of preying upon him. Right. Like, I feel like that's sort of where maybe the modern thriller would go. Sure. And it just never quite did. It was like he was still in love with her, <laughs> which yeah. I think maybe falls into the the mythology of like the siren, you know, which gets talked a little bit about. But right. that said, yeah, it's a short movie. It was easy to be engaged with. I was in it through the whole long haul. And I kind of liked that, you know, even when we see like the, yeah, the fake octopus, I think that's in a dream sequence, right? Mm-hmm. And it has a very real resolution. You know, there's some lingering questions I have, which we can get to. Oh, yeah. Specifically that old woman. Yeah. But it's not, you know, it, it reminded me of like an extended episode of like a, a, a Hitchcock TV thing, you know, or something where yeah. you've got what seems like a supernatural element. They do a good job of, of uh, the suspense of whether that supernatural thing is actually what it looks like. Or if there's a, a real explanation, a natural explanation, and in this case, yeah, there, there there always is, right? Right. And that's what you have here. Oh, but but then but then it also gives you the but is it you know sort of uh, yeah the end I with know. a question mark kind of yeah. I don't know. I I thought it was kind of interesting in those terms. Mm-hmm. Did you buy the relationship? Let's start there between Mora. The Carnival Mermaid and Johnny Drake, who kind of seems like he's just hanging around to have some fun offshore. I loved how simple and kind of innocent that Hopper played that character. Yeah. He even like lies for reasons that just, it reminds like just like a, a kid would lie for. Like, <laughs> sure. it's like the, the, uh, the merry-go-round operator, you know, basically Mora, the girl that he meets in the opening scene, he walks her home that night, finds out she lives above the merry-go-round there at the boardwalk area um, on the coast. Yeah. He goes back the next day and is talking to the merry-go-round operator, he being Johnny Drake, Dennis Hopper, and the merry-go-round operator just kind of casually says, like, oh, do you have you known Mora for a while? And he lies and like or like you know I think he whatever he says did you just mean he's like no I've known her for a while and it was like well why did he why would he say that like he just met her the night before and it's like there's no I mean there's nothing gained by lying but it's just like well okay 
he's just a little, you know, he's just, this is who this dude is. Like, you know, he grew up in Denver and left to go see the world on this ship. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he thinks he's being like street smart a little bit, maybe. Right. He's not, you know. Um, so I kind of love that. But, um, I don't know. Did you, were you interested in just them as a relationship if you removed the fact that maybe she's a mermaid? No, I mean, I didn't think it was necessarily, <laughs> yeah, like like that did not pull me in. It, di- it didn't feel like there was a, a great spark there because, I mean, just kind of like what you're saying when, when he came in and asked her her name, she says, I am called Mora. Like she kind of plays it like she's an alien the whole time. <laughs> so, yeah, the fact that, I mean, here's this 25-year-old kid in the Navy who's like, uh, I mean, you're pretty, I mean, here's the thing, Sean. I feel like in real life, if I'm a 25-year-old Navy guy who's got some time to kill, like I don't know if I'm going to spend it with the with the girl who's acting like she's an alien. You know what I mean? Right. Like I might just go to the movies. The biggest thing to, uh, that I had difficulty reading was whether or not she even liked him, you know? Yeah. Because there were times where it just seems like, especially like in that opening, she was just like, I'm just trying to listen to this music. <laughs> Don't bother yeah. me. You know? And I was yeah. Like, oh, okay. And, and then, was like, he, he persists, which I think is totally believable, makes sense. But then, sure. She kind of like oddly warm invites him to come over for breakfast the next morning. I'm like, what did, what happened? Did I miss where she made that turn? Yeah. You know? And there were other moments where I, I don't know. I felt, I still felt the same. Like, it's, you know, I think they're, even saying love and the word that word a few times mm-hmm. uh, they're frolicking on the beach a little bit but uh yeah it was it was a little t- tough to read like there's that alien factor to this girl that is is kind of intriguing i well, think my favorite example of that craig mm-hmm. was the breakfast scene itself yeah um out on the balcony uh, would you like to describe that scene? Because that was kind of amazing. So, <laughs> or the end yeah. of that scene anyway. So they basically go out on on the balcony, which as far as I can tell is at the end of a pier. Right? They must have been it's shooting that from the end of a tell. pier. Because yeah. you see the beach. Yeah. You're like far out in the ocean. Like that, that's true. That's yeah. like I was not prepared for that. And I was like, what? How? Where is this? Have they always... That was one of the things. Right? Like yeah. kind, of, kind of the spatial <laughs> relations of things. I was kind of like, is that... Is that merry-go-round? I mean, maybe the merry-go-round is on the pier. I, I don't know. Regardless. A little undefined, yeah. Right. So they're on this balcony, and you see this amazing view. Uh, and she says, she's like, fish for breakfast? And, like, gives him some fish. Um, which, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'd probably go for, to be polite, but I don't usually eat a lot of fish for breakfast. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And then they start admiring the seagulls. And then one of them just lands on her. Or does she like yank it out of the sky? I can't remember now. It just lands on the table. Oh, it just lands on the table, and then and then she sort of takes it like it's a puppy, <laughs> starts petting it. Sure. And I read that they tied uh, they tied wire around the bird's mouth so it, or its beak so it wouldn't peck the shit out of them while they're doing oh, this. Oh my thing. god! Yeah, I'm but sure. But it's so weird, and like he has no reaction to that. Yeah. yeah. And even funnier when you think about the fact that she's not a mermaid. Like it is like that kind of stuff. Like right. If she was a mermaid, I'd yeah. be like, oh, sure, she has a seagull. <laughs> she's a mermaid. But no, she's just a regular human yeah. being who is petting a seagull. Yeah. So she's kind of like a homeless yeah. person, but yes, but she has <laughs> breakfast for everybody. I don't know. And I'll be damned. I don't know if seagulls do that. Does anybody Has anybody ever had a pet seagull? I want to know this. 
I mean, somebody has to have had. Now that I'm thinking about, it, I went on a ferry once, and this the guy, the ferry driver guy, uh, was just hanging out out front, and there's a seagull standing on his head, as if it had done that before. So <laughs> maybe I need to go investigate that. Another thing that we should talk about was in relation to the plot and this Captain Murdoch character, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the guy that is. I mean, we don't really see any of the other boardwalk attractions here other right. than the merry-go-round mm-hmm. so and don't meet any of the other people uh it's so scaled back that it's like okay well i guess there's just this girl mora and this mermaid attraction and then this one guy who's the ticket taker and kind of sets up the whole thing and he's this older guy he's british i think the story that she tells is that he found her on an island when he was in the royal uh, navy Mm-hmm. And uh, she was a young child, I think, left alone, um, if I'm remembering correctly. At any rate, he came back for her, brought her to America. I, man, it was so weird to get a read on this guy because, you know, on the one hand, it's like, oh, okay, well, that, that's interesting. You know, there's, it's this guy, and I guess that's, he took her in and turned her into a mermaid attraction. That's interesting. And then... <laughs> You know, halfway through the movie, he's telling Dennis Hopper that she's a monster and like he drinks too much. And there's that scene at his house, and um, I don't know. Like I did find myself asking, "Well, what the hell is this guy still doing with her? She's this monster." You know, that was again like the thing where you know the middle section of the movie is just filled with people giving Dennis Hopper reasons not to be with this woman, right? And he was one of them. Well, and did you suspect? Yeah, no, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, you know, just to get right to the end, did you suspect that he was involved with the murder or the, you know, the two previous boyfriends? And did you did you think that that relationship was on the level? I guess, or did you have suspicions? Oddly enough, at that point, I didn't have suspicions. Although you lay it out pretty, I clearly didn't either. <laughs> because, but because I was suspecting someone else completely. The old woman was that what you were thinking? No, no, no. At that point, see, here's the thing you got to understand about me. I'm incredibly smart. So I always figure things out by looking at the least likely person (laughs) that could be causing these problems. I I settled on the merry-go-round owner's daughter because she she was the one who told him about the story. And then later on, she has has this weird talk with him about like something about, yes, well, you know, sometimes... When you love someone and they don't love you back. I can't remember exactly what she said, but I was like, oh, she's the one like killing those guys. And it's just being blamed on her or something or not even blamed on her. But it's just like those are the last two guys that she dated and they're both dead. So watch out. And then you're going to reveal that at the end. So I totally was like, oh, it's her. And then so, yeah, the fact that it was this guy, I should have guessed. I mean, (laughs) the guy's got a hand in a jar of formaldehyde and it's just on a shelf. Like, what was that? What was that thing Mm -hmm. about the hand? I don't know. How did that play in exactly? Like, he's just explaining, well, in some places, your hand gets cut off if you steal something. That person's hand got cut off, so I kept it. That doesn't make any sense. I also loved in one of those scenes with, in one of those scenes with Murdoch, just the, uh, another example of Dennis Hopper just lying when uh, Murdoch is telling him uh, about the siren mythology and he asks if, if he knows about it or whatever and. And Johnny Drake just says, yeah, I've kind of heard of it. 
Yeah. And it's just like, it's like me when somebody asks if I've seen a movie. I'm like, oh, no, yeah, yeah, I've heard yeah. of it. I, just, I haven't seen it. You know, I was like, I haven't. That, that was, yeah, <laughs> just, that was like, very honest. I like that. Interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, you know, I, I think the biggest question I have with this movie, Craig, mm-hmm. is the scene where, you know, and it, it's pretty well established at this point that uh, Johnny and Mora are a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny's, I think, had the first dream. I, Johnny has like two dreams here, and like this is the first dream. He goes over to her house, and like she's in the shower or whatever, and he lays down and falls asleep. And in the dream, she comes over, and uh, you know she's out of the shower, and I think kisses him or whatever. And then suddenly he's being strangled by that fake octopus that we mentioned. But when he wakes up from this dream, he sees wet footprints in the in the apartment and follows them out. And boy, A, isn't it amazing how long those wet footprints last? <laughs> when, yeah. uh, I mean, all she did was take a shower. You know, I mean, it goes way Nothing down the evaporating. hall of the apartment, yeah. down the steps, down, down the boardwalk. And in the night, he's still following them down the boardwalk to the ocean where she is underneath the pier. And you, know, you hear her scream his, his name. And uh, I don't have a great read on what was going on in that scene. It seemed as if... Mora had been, I think she said something about they were calling me Johnny. Mm-hmm. But man, there's a hysterical just cut where uh, she gets slapped so hard by a wave right in the face. Oh yeah, <laughs> like just the, the angle that they have it, and just the way I, I laughed a couple times. And actually, I <laughs> have to admit, I watched it twice. <laughs> you know, in some ways, like that's it's meant to like be a shock to Johnny. Like she's out here in the water under the pier, but. At the end of the day, she's just standing there. Like I, I don't know. Did you like what was happening there? Do you do you have any sort of read on that? Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, at the time, I, I assumed that's pretty much what it was. That she was hearing voices calling her out there, and like this is, yeah. Again, I, I was kind of torn between she's really a mermaid, and this is a monster movie uh, with a mermaid. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, I thought was kind of a cool idea, kind of a cool mix to say. She's a yeah. mermaid, but this is a monster movie, so it's not like she's just going to be some beautiful mermaid. Like she's going to be something crazy, uh, right. which she isn't. It's but not splash, right, yeah. right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I was just like, oh, the, the whatever voices are calling her out to sea, and soon she'll have to go, and that's that's what's going to lead to this whatever bad thing is going to happen. So yeah, I mean, I was you know I was pretty fine with it. Yeah, I, I like seeing uh, people get hit by waves uh, when you have. When you have no budget and you just have a cameraman who is further out into those waves than anyone else is, and he's getting rocked by that. That's stuff. true. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's just trying it's to a act in there. He didn't die. Yeah, I, I I can't imagine the conversations going on off camera where it's just like, can we please not? Can we please get out of from under this pier? Uh, no, no, no. This is the yeah. most important part. So, in terms of like uh, moments to sort of sell the mystery of the story. I think it worked, you know, like that, that, that functioned pretty well in terms of like what she would realist, realistically do considering like what's actually going on and all that kind of stuff. So, but it does seem to say that she's crazy. Yeah. And, and yeah, I wouldn't know how Johnny, who's now known her for like a week would really be responding to that. Yeah. I kind of wonder why, I mean, I feel like it would have been interesting, although I think they were, they were either shooting night or day for night. I mean, it, it probably would have been hard to just, have Johnny run out there and just look out at the ocean and like she's nowhere to be found and then suddenly 
she just kind of surfaces and then says something to the effect where you realize she wasn't just out for a swim, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I also, there was a line I, I wrote down, there was a line of dialogue that I just did not hear. Like what she says something right after she says the voices, you know, they were calling me, um, that I just didn't make out and maybe should have turned the subtitles on, but and those of you who are going to watch it, you can do that job for me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now then, Craig, uh, I thought there was a couple interesting things that happened after that sequence. Yeah. A, they go back to her place and she tells Johnny he should get a massage. As you do. Um, and uh, Yeah. Anytime <laughs> anyone I know has a nervous breakdown, they then later suggest I go get a massage. And that's what I do. On the pier, yeah. yeah, by a guy smoking a cigar. Who then, when Captain Murdoch comes into the bathhouse, he's like, oh, there you are, Johnny. He's like, no, it's pretty see there. The masseuse turns to Captain Murdoch and says, yes, chewing through the cigar, want me to pound you later? Yeah. And, uh, boy, I, I, I laughed good and, good and hard at that one. That yeah. one was great. And, I uh, wrote that one down myself. And then we have yet another lie. Murdoch says something about, uh, hasn't Mora been acting strange? Johnny says no. Don't know why um, at this point. And despite all of these warnings, moving right to the end here. Sure. Or the climactic scene. Craig, Johnny goes scuba diving with uh, with old Mora there. Yeah. Did That's... I miss something as to why they go scuba diving? No, I I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Because, you know, I watched this movie without much sleep on my side, and I kept thinking, man, I missed something big. I don't know that you did. Yeah, I don't think I did either. They just decide to go. And you kind of feel like, was there something originally written where you see her actively suggesting this? Or even resist, like maybe it's Johnny's suggestion. She's, you can tell, like she's fighting right. who we think she really is. And not wanting to do this with Johnny, not wanting her to see him, you know, him to see her underwater, maybe. Yeah. I don't remember any of that. I just, the next thing you know, they're on a boat and they've got yeah. scuba gear and they go underwater and you do get some underwater photography. Some of that stuff's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, correct me wrong because I want to get the sequence right. She pulls the plug out of his air tank, correct? Or the hose? Yes. Or she cuts it or she pulls it she cuts it she has a knife that's right because I thought oh shit she's going to kill him which that would have been or stab him which would have been interesting cuts the the uh, the air tank Mm -hmm. and then like he freaks out and turns is all underwater Mm -hmm. and then she kind of swims away into like the black inky muck and he surfaces now he he did not actually stab her or do anything physically violent that would keep her from surfacing, correct? That's true. Okay, because folks, she does not come out of that water alive. Right. Right. And let's talk about that real quick. So he's forced okay, to the surface. Okay, I think we should because we have some theories on that. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. He's forced to the surface. She swims away with the tank, right? She's still breathing. She's swimming off. He is mm-hmm. immediately distraught. Like he doesn't yeah. he like he like he gets up in the in the boat. Why, why, why? Why, why, yeah. why? Oh, and, God, and then oh, he's God. 
Then he's like comatose in this thing, and then he's back at his place, and he's still, he's just, it's the worst thing ever. And all I could think was, I, I don't even know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she just swam somewhere else. Like, everything seemed, be, I mean, it's not good that what she did. Like, that that was very confusing, I'm sure. But, but why, like, he's just immediately deciding that she is dead for some reason, it seems like. Uh, or or is it just or is it just like, uh, you know, maybe that's how they broke up with people in 1961. So really, he's just reacting to a breakup. Oh, I think that's definitely the only way you can do it. Yeah, I think so. Um, she was pregnant, and that was the only course of action they had. No, <laughs> here's what I think is going through Hopper's mind. Right? Yeah. Johnny Drake realized that she did this, which means it's probably true that she killed those two boyfriends prior to him. Mm -hmm. And then this was, she was, despite knowing all that, and still going scuba diving with her. Oh man, it's a, it's Jesus Christ. Those people were right. She was going to kill me. Sure. So I, I bought the fact that he did not go back underwater for her say, you know, he picked up on the fact that what she was doing. Right. I don't know that I would have just sat there for a while you know, I think, you know, if that happened to me, I'm like, holy crap, she just tried to kill me. I'm yeah. out of here on this boat. Yes. You know, and leave her out there. Yeah. That's a good point. I did not jump to that. I did not think about that. But yeah, that's that must be it. But he's responding to that. Okay. So, but that maybe checks Johnny's box. But Moore's box is <laughs> yeah. a lot more complicated. <laughs> uh, that sounded gross. Um, Thank you. You got a woman who, spoiler, is not a mermaid, so we think. Pretty sure. Right. Okay. There's probably some brainwashing going on that is convincing her that she's some sea monster, which we'll find out later. Mm -hmm. She takes him down there. She cuts the tube. It doesn't work. So she goes and drowns herself? Now, I read somewhere... Something to the effect that this action had something to do with her freeing him Mm -hmm. and saving him from a future fate of murder by her. Right. But that seems a little hard to swallow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could say, well, she had a knife. She could have just killed him, right? Right. Instead, she cut the tube. Maybe she wanted him to get away. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's, it is hard. That is the problem when you have a character who thinks she might be a mermaid. It's hard to follow her motivations 100%, not being a mermaid myself. Right. Uh, I mean, you can't really speak for her. <laughs> Since you haven't... I yeah. I don't, you, speak, I don't speak mermaid language. Don't speak mermaid. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't see... Like, she doesn't uh, warn him to stay away from her at any point does she not really I don't. that's the thing too i mean it, it it she's not entirely inviting but they definitely move into a loving mutual relationship mm-hmm. by that point right they have made out on a beach i don't know and it gets a little weirder after that, I think, because then you get the second dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And in that one, Hopper dreams that he's walking down to the beach. And I think he's hearing, you know, basically the siren call. And he sees Mora on the rocks in full mermaid form. 
she's going to jump off. I think if I'm remembering correctly, he reaches out for her, grabs her hand. Did it look like her face morphed into Ellen's? I swear to God, like it did not, it, that did not look like that actress throughout that entire sequence. To I, me, I, which only confused me more. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was Ellen, but I did have that same moment where it was like, that doesn't look like her all of a sudden. But she is laughing. Yeah. And that's not something she does otherwise in the she movie. She's laughing. Uh, she seems, she's usually yeah. keeping a pretty straight faced. But she kind of laughs at him and then she's gone in the waves. Yeah. And I like actually the, uh, the idea that in that dream that would, would turn into Ellen's face because, you know, ultimately we are kind of left to think that, okay, maybe these two could be a couple. Right. I don't know if that's the case. It was not completely clear. Mm-mm. But um, let's let's walk through the end here because uh, Hopper after this goes back to the the carnival show, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. There's a scuffle with Murdoch. Murdoch mm-hmm. accuses Hopper of killing her. Mm-hmm. I believe he pulls a gun on him. It's still a little unclear as to I don't know all that. Anyway, right. there's a fight. There's a gunshot. It breaks the glass tank, and there is Mora's dead body, which I think somehow lands on top of Murdoch. That was a little unclear to me as well. Uh, Did the water knock him down? Anyway, Mm -hmm. in short order, we're in a police station, and Murdoch is uh, Scooby-Doo style telling us exactly what the case was. He was in love with Mora. Uh, She was not in love with him. Mm -mm. He kept her close. He killed the two boyfriends prior and tried to warn Johnny away. Johnny instead went scuba diving, as one does. And Moore died. He presumably found the body. Right. Now, how he's going to know where the hell to find the dead body of Moore in this ocean... uh, Maybe she could wash it short. Maybe he was spying on them the whole time. I don't know. That's definitely a plot hole, I think. Big one. Brought back the body, clearly distraught, uh, is going to gonna finish off Johnny and, I guess, go find a new mermaid. Correct. Instead, uh, confesses to it all. He's clearly going to jail. Uh, Johnny is there. Ellen, of course, is there with a cup of coffee because she's the nice daughter of the uh, merry-go-round operator. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. She was like, oh, I just heard you were in jail and I came down to see you. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Always a good place to pick up dudes. He leaves with the naval police. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, we, we, th- we assume he goes back to the ship. Which, by the way, he sure spends a lot of time not doing anything on the ship in this movie. Yeah. Neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. Is that a was that satisfying when you really break it down, uh, no. Murdoch's explanation? No, and I think I think it's a good example In what of, ways? of a certain kind of bad ending where it's like uh, there's so much going on that is questionable that you can't be mm-hmm. entertained by how everything's wrapping up. Because yeah, I mean, first yeah. of all, so so yeah, so Johnny sees that the show is still going on okay so if you're in Johnny's place you you have no idea that she might be dead 
right? You just assume that she tried to kill yeah, you. Yeah, you should be relieved, right? Right. Yeah. So, so then you know, so he kind of hides his face and he goes up and he pays the money. He goes inside. Assuming I'm assuming he's going to go confront her, right? Goes inside. There's some kids who are looking over the edge yeah. and looking in and laughing about the mermaid. Ha ha ha. Then Johnny goes up and looks in, and she's just laying there stock still. Yeah. <laughs> Those kids looked at the body. Right. So, so, so one of my questions was, was Murdoch just insane at that point? And maybe he was just totally insane with sorrow that he would put a dead body in this thing and let mo- people go in, like take money for people to let go in and look at it. And no one has any idea. I, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. that, that was bizarre. The whole thing about, yeah, how he found the body was bizarre. There's a lot. And then, and then, yeah. And then there's the thing at the end where, uh, he denies that there was a woman at all. There's an old woman. Uh, they say, but what about the old woman who, you know, who Mora kept yeah. seeing? No, there's no old woman. And then the the cop, the cop even like, so you get a little sort of a tinge of like, oh, something mysterious was happening. And then the cop is like, ah, eh, he's just probably protecting her. It's like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. It, it was a, it was an odd way to, like they really tried to wrap things up nicely. Even with a nice little Edgar Allan Poe yeah. quote at the end, but uh, mm-hmm. but man, yeah, it, it kind of turned into such a simple movie. It really turned into a mess there at the end. What do yeah. you think? Do do you? Um, I kind of agree. While I like the fact that Murdoch was involved, because again, I didn't quite expect that from that character. Yeah, I like that he killed. The previous boyfriends. I think that's interesting. Sure. Um, and you know, you've sort of seen that before. The guys that just can't let go, but they still like they they have some sort of weird arrangement, uh, and in a way, like he and Mora need each other. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, finding the body and all that stuff, and then yeah, that that is definitely messy, and the old woman's messy, and um, he told her basically all this time that you know and it, it, I, if I'm remembering it correctly he was the one responsible for making Mora think that she was indeed a mermaid or mm-hmm. one of the sea people which that I don't know like that to me is uh, it, it might have been more interesting if somehow Mora got that notion herself say via the fortune teller or this old woman and she's starting to think this, and like that became the rub between her and Murdoch. You know, in his own weird way, he was protecting her with these other guys because they were going to find out that she thinks she's a mermaid, and or maybe they did find out and they thought she was crazy and tried to, you know, who right. who knows? They could have gone that route. They they didn't, and like having him be the influence on that, I don't know. It just makes the whole like. <laughs> Can you imagine what a prequel to this would be? I mean, how weird would that... Like, what kind of weird-ass movie would that be? This the story of this man who was a sailor in the British Royal Navy who brought a young girl to America and convinced her she was a mermaid. <laughs> what is that? You know, it just, like, it's so weird. And like you say, it's kind of messy and loose. But uh, let's theorize for a second who the old woman was. Okay. What's what's one good what's one possible thing that that woman could have been? <laughs> Who was she? That's that's the tough thing. I mean, I don't know the queen of the sirens, the 
mother of Greek mermaids. That's what, yeah. 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 I mean, there was definitely some tie to Greece that was intentional. Sure. And she was real because Hopper saw her. Sure. Right? Yeah. But it just makes no sense that you just be following around this woman. No. <laughs> I don't know. No. So weird. Because so apparently the woman had no power oh, man. of any kind. So she wasn't like... No, I know. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Why wasn't she the woman who was responsible for making this Mora think she's a mermaid? Like, that just makes too much sense. Like, she should have been that character. Right. She could have been the fortune teller. That could have, They could have just combined things there. Mm-hmm. Which I would like to point out for just a brief second. When the fortune teller reads... Johnny Drake's Tiro's cards. We get a Knight of Cups reference. Yes. That's the card that she rolls. I was like, oh, that's what that title is. Explained a and lot. And for those yeah. of you wondering, yeah, about that Malik movie, she explains it in straight terms that the Knight of Cups represents a fair young man, innocent and searching, which makes a ton of sense for the Christian Bell character in that movie. Other little things here. Of this movie, apparently Peter Lorre was approached to play the role of Murdoch, and uh, the oh. filmmakers could not afford his salary, which makes a lot of us uh, a lot of sense when you mm-hmm. watch the movie. Sure. <laughs> apparently, Dennis Hopper's sailor suit was darkened to look white and stand out as white in this very black and white movie. Interesting. And he almost got arrested or, or threatened by military police who thought he was just wearing a dirty uniform. It's <laughs> kind of hilarious. That's great. And uh, Hopper being Hopper, he also apparently insisted on not using a double for the scuba diving sequence. So maybe some of that distraught on the boat was because he was really about to die yeah. um, in that sequence. Yeah. Who knows? He was hardcore. Uh, and then last but not least, yeah, he's definitely hardcore. Uh, apparently, according to IMDb, the original negative of this movie is owned by none other than Nicholas Winding Refn of Drive and Neon Demon fame. And, uh, boy, I like to think that's true. It just adds to the mystique and weirdness that I know of that guy. And yeah. <laughs> he's just got the original print of this, of this movie floating around in his, uh, his house there. That, that makes me happy. I love it. Craig, any little thing we did not talk about that, that, that you liked about this movie? I have one little thing that I, that I laughed at. You know what? The one thing we didn't talk about uh, and it's a minor thing, but at the end when Johnny's leaving jail and the merry-go-round owner's daughter is there to, I don't know. I don't know why she was there, honestly, aside from just she liked Johnny. <laughs> but Johnny uh, says yeah. says some kind words to her, and then I'm pretty sure he pets her like a dog, and then he walks out. Like he sort of puts his hand on top of her head in this weird... On the front me. side, and then, and then he's gone. I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was um, an amazing bit of acting. What about you? I think you mean mm. he pets her like a seagull. Pets her like a seagull would be more accurate. That's true. My thing was there was a moment uh, when Dennis Hopper is in Captain Murdoch's house. I think it was his house. And this is uh, he's drunk. Murdoch is, and he's telling him that Mora is a monster, and he just stops seeing her. Blah 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 blah. The siren mythology. I think there was a scream. There was something that uh, distracted and brought 
Dennis Hopper's attention to the upstairs of this dwelling, mm-hmm. which is where Mora was. But on his way up, he bumps into a cat statue, and I swear to God, I think there was a meow sound effect uh, that was in that moment. Because <laughs> it's right around... I think the scream happens from upstairs, Mora, mm-hmm. which causes him to bump into the statue, and all in that moment where there's still kind of like this lingering scream noise, there's a tiny meow. And... uh I hope that wasn't just my ears because I, I love the idea of that. <laughs> yeah. That, that statue, along with the jar that had just had a hand in it, um, you know, just kind of fit the vibe of that place. Oh, man. Yeah. I got to get one of those from my house, I feel like. We'll get them to just do an episode of this podcast, our, our cat statues. Perfect. Well, Craig, I don't know. I mean, I still, it's easy to pick on this movie. I still feel like this is an interesting one to to do actually sit down and, and watch this. I'm going to recommend it, um, and I'm, I'm going to recommend it as a great early Dennis Hopper performance, a fun performance from him, and, and uh, a, uh, an interesting case study in movies that kind of toe the line between uh, not exactly being horror and not exactly being drama. Yeah. But you. Uh, I feel the same way. It's, it's, it's one that I would... Uh if I had lots and lots of free time, I would like to kind of watch again and sort of dissect just why, why really it, it was able to hold my interest as well as it was, you yeah. know, and, and, and really just kind of wondering what, what the second viewing would be like. Would it, would, is all the fun drained out of it now that I know everything that happens? Um, but yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, it could make an interesting triple feature with Splash and Lady in the Water, so maybe that's just something you do one day. Sure. And uh, then top it off with Little Mermaid. <laughs> At any rate, thank you again, Tyler Baum, for your suggestion. Yes. Uh, everybody, please go go check out Charlotte Omelette's Facebook and everywhere you can find them, Instagram as well. And then also come make suggestions for this show. We'll be back next week with a mini, and then we'll probably talk about what we're going to watch next and and all the fun that we have coming up. And, uh, yeah, neverheardpodcast.com. That's where you can find us. Uh, Craig, you got the last words for us tonight? I do. The last words are from the late, great Dennis Hopper, who once said, just because it happened to you doesn't mean it's interesting. Ooh, diss. Think about that. All right, everybody. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Bye.